something perhaps a little bit different than I did before I was actually speaking about faith matters. You remember from Hebrews chapter 11, the Lord led me differently and I want to speak this morning on that theme, bringing back the ark of God. Bringing back the ark of God. And let's read in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, a rather longer session from verse 1 to 14. 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 1, verse 1 to 14. Then David consulted with the captains of the, of the thousands and the hundreds, even with every leader. David said to all the assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you and if it is from the Lord our God, let us send everyone or everywhere to our kinsmen who remain in all the land of Israel, also to the priests and Levites, who are with them in their cities with pasture land, that they may meet us and let us bring back the ark of our God to us. For we did not seek it in the days of Saul. Saul didn't care about the covenant, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. He perhaps trusted his own strength and the strength of his army. But David was different. And perhaps you might have a desire as David as well. And he wanted to bring desperately the glory of God back into the city of David that was Jerusalem. Because he built especially a place for it. And there was a tabernacle. And he wanted to have this. Now he did everything he thought would be good. It was four, I think. Then all the assembly said that they would do so for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David assembled all Israel together uh, from the Shehor of Egypt even to the entrance of Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kiriath Jerim. David and all Israel went up to Baalam, that is to Kiriath Jerim, which belongs to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, the Lord who is enthroned above the cherubim, which his name is called. They carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadad, and Yusa and Ahiah drove the cart. David and all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, even with songs, with lyres, harps, tambourines, cymbals, and with trumpets. When they came to the threshing floor in Chidon, Yusa put out his hand to hold the ark, because the oxen nearly upset it. The anger of the Lord burned against Yusa, so he struck him down, because he put 
his hand to the ark. And he died before God. What a tragedy. Good intentions. And it ended in death. Not all so-called good intentions are being sanctified by God. God has certain orders, and when God set orders in Israel, they are valid. What God set in order in our days, they are valid. Nobody else can about or go about and say, well, it's my way. I have a good desire, doesn't care God at all. Whether you have a good desire, it has to be done the way God said it. Amen? God gave once for all the command in Israel then how the ark had to be transported. And also God gave once for all that Jesus shed his blood for us. There's nothing else anymore to be done. Nobody else can set anything else in place. And that's so good. Praise the Lord. Now, how did it go further here? I think I'm now at verse 10. The anger of the Lord burned against Yusa. So he struck him down because he put his hand to the ark. And he died there before God. Then David became very, became angry because of the Lord's outburst against Yusa. And he called that place Periusa to the day. David was afraid of God that they say, how can I bring the ark of God home to me? Do you see something? A desire after the ark of God. Let me put it this way. He had a strong desire after the presence of God. And the Lord told Moses once that he will go before them and Moses says, no, if your presence is not going with us, we are not going from anywhere. There was a desire for the presence of God. And Mo, uh, David, a man after the heart of God. Hallelujah. I had once a man early, early in the beginning of King's Way. And somehow he came to me and he said something. You are a man after my heart. I don't want to be a man after anybody's heart. Amen? I don't want to be a man after your heart. I want to be a man after God's heart. Can I hear an amen? Louder. Do you want to be a man or woman after God's heart? Say amen. I want to be a man of God. I've been praying for this sermon. And as I prepared, I said, Lord, give me a zeal of God in my heart. So David did not take the ark with him to the city of David, but took it out aside to the house of Abe, Odeb Edom, the Giddite. Thus the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Adam and his house for three months. And the Lord blessed the family of Obed-Adam. 
with all that he had. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. There's a desire after your presence in my heart. And Lord, where you are, that's where I want to be. And that's what you said also, where you are, that you want your children, your disciples to be also. And I thank you, Lord, I pray that this morning that you might give me grace to speak your word. Give grace to listen to your word. And also give grace to act upon your word. Lord, we thank you. I am longing for your presence. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now the Ark of the Covenant of God stands for the presence of God. David had the desire for the presence of God. And we read that actually the days of Saul, when Saul was king, he didn't bother about the presence of the Lord. He didn't bother about, he didn't say, well, I want to have the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, on its rightful place. No, he had other things to do. And that's why his life was not going as the Lord wanted him to be. And if you have a desire this morning, Lord, I want your presence upon my life. And if you have a desire, listen. And that's what God gave me. And I have to speak these things this morning. Hallelujah. Now the Ark of the Covenant of God was a, was a center of Israel's worship. Hallelujah. Now we know where the Ark of the Covenant were or was. She was in the Holy of Holies, inside in the tabernacle. And we knew that this Ark of the Covenant was always the blessing for Israel. That's why they took this box with them, wherever they were, into fights even. Now perhaps the Philistines, or Philistines, they wondered how is Israel always so conquerous? Why is it? Ah, they always carried a box in front of them. And they wanted to know what is in that box. And we read about it very clearly. You know, they wanted to know what is in the box. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 21, there was a woman, Pinehas' wife, and she gave birth to a child. And you know what she called this son? Anybody knows it? Who said Ichabod? Yeah, pastor's wife. Right. Ichabod. And that means the glory of the Lord is gone. If this word would be written about any church, the glory of the Lord is gone. We have got no right to come together any longer. I want the glory of God in our midst. Hallelujah. And I tell you who the glory of God is. The glory of God must be here. And I'm praying, Lord, let your glory fall upon the church, upon each and every one. 
The glory of God is something wonderful. And also, it is scaring. It is scaring. Where the glory of the Lord is being revealed, there our lives have to be clean, cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Now we read here, the ark in the hands of the Philistines. And the ark of the covenant was captured by the Philistines. And they couldn't handle the ark of God. Uncleanly list can't handle the holiness of God. Did you understand it? Uncleanliness can't handle the glory of God. And David said, I want this glory of God. Saul didn't care about, but I do care. I want this glory of God. The Ark of the Covenant, I want to have it in the city of David because he built especially a place for it. And there was a tabernacle. Yes, it was a tabernacle. And then we read about when the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant into their temple. And their temple was dedicated to a god, Dagon. And when they brought the Ark of the Covenant in their temple, you know what happened? The next day, the God of the Philistines, Dagon, he was lying on his nose. Tipped over. Dagon couldn't handle the glory of God. Are you able to handle the glory of God? Are you? That's important. Not for nothing, says the Bible very clearly, that we must pursue holiness, living in that wonderful salvation in Jesus Christ, that our whole life might be saturated with the holiness of Jesus. I don't want anywhere, anything less than the holiness of Jesus in our midst. That's what I pray for this morning. That's what I pray for this morning. No one can stand the holiness of God you know this prayer of Moses, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And God said, Moses, actually, if I would show you my glory, you would not stand. Nobody can stand before the glory of God. Our lives would melt away like snow under the sun. That's the glory of God. And I fear, I fear I'm not able enough, my tongue is not able enough to pronounce the holiness of God. It's God. It's not just a little bit music. Of course, music is wonderful. And I like to do music. I'm wonderful. I'm happy that you play for the first time with your guitar. God bless you, Jeremy. Hallelujah. Yes. Give him a pat on his shoulder. God bless you. And everyone who wants to praise the Lord, you're welcome. And we understand the holiness of God. 
Now Dagon, he couldn't handle. God tipped him over and there he was. Now the Ashdodites, the Ashdodites were smitten with tumors. There were others. They opened their heart. They wanted to, what is in there, I give? Why are these children of Israel, when they do a victory, always carry around this box? What is in the box? What is the box, actually? It is the presence of God. It's the presence of God. And we understand, those who know the Bible a little bit and have read a little bit in the Bible, they have understood what actually it means, the Ark of the Covenant. Now, what was in there? You read, the Bethshemites looked into the Ark and 50,070 people died. Do you reckon you could look into it? They just had a look into it. They wondered, why is Israel so congruous and so glorious and everything happened? They had always a box with them. Perhaps next time when I preach, the box went around Jericho 13 times altogether. And then the, the walls of Jericho collapsed. Don't you think that the people on the walls of, Jer of Jericho were wondering why are these people carrying their box around? What is in the box? And when they carried around the last time around Jericho and the priests, seven priests only got a trumpet and they blew the trumpet and at this long blast, Joshua said, then you should make a loud sound. And you know what the sound was? I found it, I think in Psalm 133 or so. I haven't written down it here, but I may, might preach next time about it. And when the big sound and the people were crying out, these huge walls tipped over and Israel went in straight away and Jericho was conquered. Now, these people, they wanted to look into, remember, the glory of God is, listen carefully, the glory of God is dangerous. Can you hear an amen? Who says amen? Aye. The glory of God is dangerous. These people understood it. Just having a look into a glance and what is it? What's the secret of Israel? The glory of God. What is the secret of every believer in Jesus Christ? It's the glory of God in our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Therefore, it's important that we live holy before him. There's no such a kind of, oh, I love the Lord, I love the Lord, I love the Lord. It's important 
that we really walk in holiness for the Lord. Saul neglected the ark of God. Perhaps after all the things he heard about what happened to the Philistines, 50,070 people died on one day just to have a glance into the box. And others were smitten with boils. Or actually tumors, it says. With tumors. And we see here the glory of God is dangerous. That's why perhaps not everybody of the Christians are actually chasing after holiness. Saying, Lord, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. I want to be so close to Jesus that it can't get any closer that actually I slip into Jesus and Jesus into me. Amen. That's the holiness Jesus wants. And the apostle who wrote in Hebrew. I want to read a scripture. It says that the glory of the Lord demands a holy lifestyle. Hebrews 11, 29, or 28 and 29. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For who can read it further? For, do we have it there? No. For, oh God is a consuming fire. Have you heard? Oh God is a consuming fire. Do you want it? Do you want the glory of God? Yes, I, I want it. I want it. I want the fire of God. For our God is a consuming fire. I heard about from the Aussies. There's an expression, a black fire. You know what it, need, what it means? So halfway smoldering fire. No. Our God is a consuming fire. If it doesn't shake you now, what will shake you one day? Our God is a consuming fire. That's why we don't want to play around with God. We must be prepared to pay the price of total consumption of ourselves. The zeal of God. These are the words of Jesus. And that's what he saw when Jesus came into the temple, cleansed it and cleaned it totally, chucked everything out. And his disciples stood there and they got remembered as a scripture. They got remembered. The zeal of God has consumed me. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. How holy, holy lifestyle. And David was after that. He wanted it. 
If there's anybody here who said, Lord, I want to be living for you because you are a consuming fire. Consume everything in my life that is not of you. Do it in my life, O oh Lord, I pray. David wanted. He knew if I'm missing the Ark of the Covenant in the rightful place, my kingdom has no chance, but he earned for it. And he did a mistake. The first time there was a mistake, good ideas and good in, uh, intentions is just not good enough. Can I hear an amen to that? I repeat it. Good intention and good ideas is just not good enough. Amen. Laura, what's happened to you? Do I preach too strange for you? Pastor Gary, is it strange? No, you can't say it. No, praise the Lord. Good ideas and intentions are just not good enough. Amen. Hallelujah. David learned it here. The hard way. Everything goes, and I listen, everything goes to a certain spot. And you know what the spot was called? What was the accident, if I should call it that way? Where was this, my dear brother Peter? At the threshing place. You know what the threshing place of God is? It's God's testing station. God's testing station. Now we in Germany, if you have a car in Germany, every two years you have to get your car to a testing station. Your, uh, what do you call it, registration for a car has to be renewed every two years. Don't take your bomb to Germany and think I want to go on the Autobahn 200, not with your bomb. You have, to, you have to pass a test, and that's the TÜV, they call it. Technical Überprüfungstest. That means a technical test, whether your brakes are okay, the springs are okay, the tires are okay, enough profile on the tires, and so on. And if not, your car it's been scrapped. Don't try to bring your Aussie bomb to Germany and go with 200, think we go to 200 over the autobahn. You can go 200. It's not illegal. But you have to go through the testing station. Everything has been tested there. Everything. And then when you were, when your car passed the test, You've got the stamp, and you can go with 200 over the autobahn for two years. And everybody feared the testing station, the so-called TÜV, where the technical items in the car were proved. That's here God's testing station. It was everything all right. The, even David was celebrating 
And everybody was celebrating because now on a new car, the Ark of the Covenant was there. They were all going towards Jerusalem. Everything is right and wonderful. It only goes as far to the testing stations. And there, at the threshing floor, the oxen who were dragging the car slipped. And the covenant, or the Ark of the Covenant, was shaking. And you saw, he didn't want to let the Ark of the Covenant fall to the ground. He put his hand on, and he held it. God killed him on the spot. Is our God a consuming fire? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. Our God is a consuming fire. Don't dare anything else but what his word says. And then David said, well, we have to give up the whole action a little bit and they brought it to the house of Obed-Adam. And he had the Ark of the Covenant there. And the Bible says something in everything. The Lord blessed him. The Lord blessed him. Thus the Ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom. And his house three months. And the Lord blessed the family of Obed-Edom with all that he had. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you have the Ark of the Covenant in your family? Do you pray? Do you seek the Lord? Do you do his will? David wanted it badly. Oh, I want the Ark of the Covenant in its rightful place. I have prepared already the, the tabernacle. And there's a place where these, uh, these ark should be standing. That's where it belongs. Don't go anywhere if you're not sure the ark of the covenant that Jesus is going with you. There is no substitute of God's glory. No substitute. Listen, when David became king, he wanted the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, I want the glory of God. Who else? Let me see your hands. I want to see the glory of God. I want to have it. One day you will meet the glory of God when you stand before Jesus. Then to desire the glory of God is unfortunately too late, too late, too late. David wanted to have the glory of God, the Ark of the Covenant, now. And when this didn't happen as he thought, although it looked good, it looked good. He was so depressed. And he asked, how can I get 
In other words, how can I get the Ark of the Covenant, covenant into my place? Now, the Ark of the Covenant is a picture of Jesus Christ himself. The Ark of the Covenant was made from acacia wood, normal timber, wood, and covered with gold. And that's a picture of Jesus. He was, as a man, found in his body as a man, but the glory of God was over and in him. He is the real man and the real God, man. Amen? That is Jesus. That's why the covenant is a picture of Jesus Christ. And we read in John chapter 1, 14. I shouldn't read it. Every Christian born again by the Holy Spirit should know it in his heart. And you should be able to quote it. And the word became what? Flesh. And did what? Dwelt amongst us. And we saw what? His glory. The glory from the only begotten one. Full of grace and truth. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You're full of truth. Full of glory. And John said, well, we saw actually his glory. We saw it. He was in his outward appearing like a man. But he was gilded, let me put this way. He was full covered of the glory of God. And he is and remains the son of God. Amen. Did he see enough then? Of course. They saw enough. Now in the, in the Ark of the Covenant, there were actually the Ten Commandments. And that's a, a sign. Jesus fulfilled all the commandments that Moses gave through the Spirit of God or God himself to, to Moses. And Jesus could say, well, I put it this way. These are just German Werner Schultz words. Look at me. If you could find anything wrong, where I did wrong against Moses or the law of God, could you find anything in Jesus? The, the Pharisees, I tell you what, they had their magnifying glasses on. Whenever Jesus appeared, and especially when he was together with people who were sinners, and he ate with them. And when he saw there was somebody who was ill, and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Their glasses, they went bigger and bigger. Who can forgive sin? God alone. Of course, didn't you know that he is God? Don't you know Jesus is God? Amen. Hallelujah. I should stop preaching right now. And all, all of you should stand up and praise the Lord. Lift up your hands and say, Hallelujah, Jesus is God. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother Eddie, God bless you. The Lord may give you a stronger voice.
Next time when you call, amen should become louder. Hallelujah. God bless you. Nice to see you here this morning. Who can show me a sin or who can say anything? None. None. And here was the covenant. Jesus Christ. The ark of the covenant is the picture of Jesus Christ. That's why everywhere where Israel went and they had the, covenant, the ark of the covenant, who was actually going with them? Jesus Christ, amen. Hallelujah. Paul says very clearly that even, even the rock that walked around with them in the wilderness, this rock where they drank out the water from was who? Christ, hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful? Have Christ every second every moment of your life. Now, David did everything what he thought was good. He consulted the hierarchy, as we read in, in uh, chapter 13, verse 1. David consulted with the captains of the thousands and hundreds, even every leader. He said, well, is it right? Don't you think it's do you think it's right to get the ark? Yes, we have got everything there. A new car. And everything, they put it on. But everything, even, listen, even, even. Even with good intentions. If it is not God's way, it's the wrong way. Did I say something wrong, David, Pastor Gary? If it's not God's way, it's the wrong way. Yes, Peter, that's right. Hallelujah. If our dear sister Joe would have said before, before you, I tell you what, she would say, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. What a wonderful, wonderful sister of the Lord. Now at the threshing floor was a testing station of God. Has God brought you perhaps to your testing station? Be used and like to sing this chorus, Search Me, O Lord. Anybody sung this chorus with us in the past? Search me, O Lord. And look whether I'm on a wrong way. Whether my thoughts are clean. And here David was on the testing station. The Ark of the Covenant was in danger to tip off from the new car. God doesn't pay anything for new things. Forget about new methods, new things, new tricks. No, 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 no. You can't trick God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. 
God is not being fooled like children. You can make tricks by children or two children and their eyes fall out almost. They say, how, how did he do it? You know, and all these tricksters, I can't do any trick. Do you know some tricks, Pastor Gary? What are you going to do when you have to one day entertain your grandchildren and have got no tricks? What are you going to do then? Yeah. All the would go say, oh, Opa is boring. Granddad is boring. He doesn't know any tricks. Now we don't have to trick God. Hallelujah. David learned here. The separation between wheat and chaff is happening where? At the? Threshing floor. Even John the Baptist knew it very clearly in Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. The winning fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean the threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable water unquenchable fire. John the Baptist, he knew something about all the things we offer God and we want to serve God with has to be clean and has to pass the threshing floor of God. David then searched for God's way. I did it my way. A new car. Everything new. New tricks. New gimmicks in the church. We don't want any gimmicks in the church. Amen. Can I hear ten amens perhaps? Amen. 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 I don't want any gimmicks. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I remember a great preacher in America from the Church of God. And he had on his pulpit a little sign for every preacher who would preach on that or behind that pulpit. The sign said, talk about Jesus. That's it. That's it. He didn't want to have anyone behind his pulpit who was perhaps introducing new so-called Christian tricks and whatever garbage. He said, talk about Jesus. Do you like to be talked about Jesus? I want to talk about Jesus. And anyone who preached behind this pulpit must or I would say, I engage you into an oath, oath before God. When you come here, don't preach any nonsense. Talk about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Hallelujah. Because as soon as the name of Jesus is being called, separation happens. I know it from Germany. Pastor, uh, or Brother James, I'm not going always with you on the streets. The Lord may bless you. But I know it from my younger years. We had always, we made music, 
in our open-air meetings in Germany. We were not allowed to have a megaphone to talk. We had to take our voice, and there was traffic and so on. And we did a little bit of music. We played Christian music, and then we sang a chorus. I think it's known to hear as well. Eh? Let's talk about Jesus. Anybody knows the chorus? Let's talk about Jesus. La, 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 la. And as soon as we stopped playing and singing and people on the streets heard, let's talk about Jesus, all of a sudden they went on. They didn't want to hear something about Jesus. Music, yes. But they didn't want to hear anything about Jesus. And if you have nothing to talk about Jesus, shut up. Rather shut up. Sounds very strong, doesn't it? It's a strong term. David, he sought then the priesthood. Chapter 15, verse 2 to 4. Then David said, No one is to carry the ark of God but the Levites. No one is to carry the ark of the God of the Lord but Levites. David remembered God has set orders and the orders God has set nowadays for a New Testament church are the same. Don't act into anybody's calling. If somebody is called to be an evangelist, you preach the gospel. Somebody has been called a pastor. You preach the gospel to the people. And you do your pastor ministry. Don't try to do anything else. David said, and I want to continue. Then David said, no one is to carry the ark of God, but the Levites and the Lord choose them to carry the ark and to minister to him. And David assembled all Israel at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place which he had prepared for it. Then David gathered together the sons of Aaron and the Levites. Who are the sons of Aaron? These were the priests. David, you could have saved Yusa, who died in the presence of the Lord. You could have saved him if you would have taken the Levites and the priests in the first place. In the first place. Consecration of the priests. In verse 12, and said to them, You are the head of the father's household of the Levites. Consecrate yourself, both and your relatives, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place that I have prepared for it. 
the priest had to carry it, not drive on a new cart. The priest had to carry it. Yes, you hear me right. The priest had to carry the Ark of the Covenant. That's why God gave everything to Moses and the description of all the utensils in the tabernacle. The Ark of the Covenant on each corner was our round golden ring attached on each corner. What for? There were two long poles. And they were from timber and covered with gold as well. And they put, uh, put these poles through the golden rings from one end to the other. So that on either side was enough room for any priest or the priests of God to take the pole on their shoulders on the one side, also on the other side. And that's the way God wanted it. Our revival story tells about a bedridden old woman in a church. She was praying for revival. And I thank you for every, every person. Whether you have a great famous name or not, doesn't count with God. Doesn't count with God. But this poor lady, she was ill. She couldn't, couldn't go to church, but she had a desire and prayed, God, give revival to our church. Revive your church. Revive your church. After a while, it was known that the church invited an evangelist to come and preach in that church. She was praying. She couldn't go herself because she was bedridden. Her sister went to the revival meeting. There were two first two nights, nothing special happening. But this old lady in the bed, she prayed. She prayed and prayed and prayed. After three days, her sister, who was able to walk, came to the meeting and all of a sudden a move of God came into the church. A great revival came. Hallelujah. What happened? The glory of God was revealed there. And God gave a revival. Pray. Pray and pray. Now, just to finish off, I preached perhaps a little bit long this morning, didn't I? Who think it was too long? Hand up. Okay, I'm the only one. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, 
then I will hear from heaven. Hallelujah. Will forgive their sins and heal their land. Years ago, we had an American young men or young people choir in Germany. They were called then Silver Wind. And they sang this song. And there's this wonderful song. If you can somewhere get it on iPhone or what do you call this? These things. What? YouTube or whatever. If you can get this song, listen to it. When they sang it in our church, it was so powerful. Even I, as an old Pentecostal preacher, had goosebumps going up and down my back because I knew that's what we need if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and pray and said, I will forgive the sins and I will heal the land. Hallelujah. If you can get it on YouTube somewhere, listen to it. And I want to conclude with this. Heavenly Father, we miss your glory and we want your glory demonstrated in this church. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Pastor, I would like to conclude, please.